Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. This is a reading from the book of Isaiah. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Now, these words from Isaiah 55 were written about 550 years before the birth of Christ. Well ahead of that time, the prophet Isaiah served Israel as the mouthpiece of God, of Yahweh. And at that moment, these words spoke comfort to the nation, which had been invaded, captured, removed from their promised land, exiled in Babylon, and which was anticipating their return to Israel. Come, said Yahweh, so long ago. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. But this speech, this declaration, I propose, is also the beginning of good news, of great joy to us, and a proper Advent message as we await the return of Christ. Come, said Yahweh, calling out to captive Israel. You are beckoned and welcomed back. Rejoice, 
The open arms of God await you. You who have been far off, re-enter his comfort and know his protection once again. After your wandering and hardship, come, be revived once more and find rest for your bodies and your souls. Come, said Yahweh, through his prophet Isaiah. That was a long time ago. So how might we hear him call out to us today? What right do we have to appropriate that message and make claims on it? Well, good news. Isaiah was a prophet, and his words are prophecy. The nature and the gift of his forward-going message that the words he conveyed, that is all implicit in his form. Over the past two weeks, you might have heard Peyton and then Nate reference the experience of believers, all living in a moment of tension referred to as already, but not yet. As a faith community, this means that we know the kingdom of God in part, but not yet in full. We know Christ in spirit, but not yet face to face. So in a similar way, Isaiah's words pointed to a kind of already, but not yet fulfillment. His words in the 8th century would bear fruit in part in the 6th century, but also in the 1st century, in the time and the person of Christ, and then also in future times, and for those people who put their faith in him 2,000 years later. And so we listen to ancient words, and we hear the message now as a universal, timeless invitation, a beckoning, a welcoming into the life with God of creation, the God of Exodus, the same God of Israel who, out of compassion, once called his people back from exile, from exclusion, from hardship in foreign lands, back to promise and familiar comfort, back to right relationship. And we hear the message still as the word of God offers the same to us. And that is good news meant to elicit great joy. Come, said Yahweh, to the people of Israel. And Jesus, Emmanuel, answered, I have come to all people. Okay, I'll be Linus. That's okay. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, <clears throat> come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy, said Yahweh. 
And Jesus echoed. And we can go on, Alex. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Listen closely and read carefully. The invitation given through Isaiah is universal, but it is also particular. It goes out first to those who thirst and then to the poor. The poor who are of particular concern to Jesus. And the two concepts are related. Hear the requirement of thirst and see the condition of those first spoken to. In this prophetic invitation to hope and joy, thirst is a qualifier for fulfillment. So what must we thirst for? That which cannot be bought with money or self-generated. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy, asked Yahweh, knowing full well that the satisfaction to be found in the Lord is freely given, but often bypassed. The prophet's message suggests that a lesser, fleeting thirst is sometimes satisfied by spending, by consumption, by indulgences. If thirst is represented by momentary need or desire, then it makes sense that those that are most readily able to meet their immediate needs might be quite self-satisfied, never wrestling with deeper needs, even if the implications of self-satisfaction have a global effect. If whims, desires, or easily and constantly fulfilled by one's own means, as though a person's glass of water is constantly topped off, then thirst once known might be forgotten. And deep thirst, never experienced, might remain unknown. But the thirst spoken of through the prophet is of a depth far surpassed by a person's daily cup or a hydro flask. I believe that this chapter of Isaiah refers to the thirst in one's soul for shalom, the peace of God, which is beyond understanding and which is placed in people of faith as a collective whole to impart that peace to the world, to be peacemakers as a precursor to joy to the world. And hear me out. I do believe that joy to the world is the goal of God and humanity. So I also believe that peacemakers, in part, are called to do the work of justice, to do the work of satisfying the basic needs of humanity, like feeding the poor, caring for widows and orphans and the foreigners in our midst, so that deeper, more primal thirst and hunger might bubble up. And that is this broad and reaching desire for all people to know the one 
from whom all blessings flow and to receive his joy. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters called, called Yahweh. Why spend money on what is not bread, he said. To which Jesus later replied, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And also, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, God with us, says, I have come. I am. The incarnation event that is marked by Christmas and the life of Christ and his gospel and the invitation into his life all suggests that he alone is enough. Speaking once to a Samaritan woman, Jesus explained, everyone who drinks of this spring water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And on another occasion, he said, come to me, sorry, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me and drink of me, said Jesus. No sated and well-satisfied rest where your being is full and even your soul is at ease, finally at peace. Come and experience the joy of being unburdened, of dwelling with the Lord and desiring nothing more than that faithful communion and an end to both worldly and spiritual hunger and thirst. A psalmist once wrote, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, proclaimed the psalmist. Singing from a heart is one who must certainly have known the joy of fulfillment that comes from being present with and satisfied by God and him alone. We are not alone. We need not be alone, amusing ourselves with just 
small pleasures and fleeting happinesses. I have come, said Jesus. Come to me. And then the promise of Advent follows. I'm coming back to you. And so we remember that promise and we wait. Through these four weeks of Advent, the church around the world remembers the birth and the presence and death and resurrection of and the promise of Christ coming again. The full revelation of his kingdom and of his self. And as a scattered and somewhat broken body, we remember through various means and messages. But Christ himself called us to one unique and constant means of remembering him and experiencing his presence, and that's communion. After straying from faithfulness toward God, after fulfilling his most carnal desires by his, his own means, David, the ancient king of Israel, once cried out in remorse, Restore in me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Now, I've been borrowing words and promises today, so I'm going to borrow that prayer of David's as well and make it our own invitation to reconciliation with God. Whether we also have been far off, whether we're remorseful, whether we're in need of sustenance, whether we are exhausted from the bottomless demands of self-indulgence, whether we're joyful and just wanting to top off that beautiful cup, let's hear the words of Christ again and anew. Come to me, people. I will give rest to your souls I will satisfy. Come, sit, and dine with me, says Jesus. Take the bread by which all hunger is met. Drink the wine which is given for you and for many, both as signs and symbols of the salvation which was made possible through his own broken body and blood. Welcome to this communion table, everyone. Let your thirst be quenched. Come if you're far off in your spirit or just from your seats and receive the grace and peace of Christ as a prelude to joy and then go out from this table as one who has been filled beyond satisfaction, even overflowing and able to share. Though Matt's going to play, communion might look a little bit different, a little bit fuller. I'm just going to start over here, and then I'm going to have you help me out. Take a big old hunk of bread. Be with the water. So come on up today, a whole piece of bread and a whole bottle of water to be quenched, sated, and filled. Yeah, that's great. spring come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here disperse the gloomy clouds of night and 
Death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice. Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel, shall come to thee, O Israel, shall come to thee. Thanksgiving before we close. Lord, thank you for your offering toward us. Please grant that this bread will feed our desire to know and be known by you. Let us be filled by your presence here and hereafter, compelled to share your grace. Let the satisfaction of our thirst by your cup well up as joy in us and joy to the world. Amen. Let us rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. 